Hello Rebels, before we kick off today's episode, let me ask you a question. What if we could help you unlock your marketing superpower in one day or less? Actually, to be precise, I mean three hours. Yes, you heard it right. What I'm asking you is three hours of your time to join us for a brand new intensive experience on Marketing Deep Dive. One day masterclass that will help you create marketing strategies that capture hearts and mind. And every single masterclass is going to dive deep into one of our favorite topics of marketing. Maybe that email marketing, hiring, or even automations and beyond. If you want to get the fast track ticket to become irresistible, then I suggest you check out our upcoming marketing deep dive, where you're going to get two hours of hands-on training with lots of exercises and practical group work as well. Plus one hour bonus office hours and Q&A. Oh, and we also have a personalized dashboard and bonus templates to help you apply what you learn in our three hours. And just to put a little bow on it, you also get a certificate of completion to show up wherever you can see. If you'd like to find out what is coming up next and which one is our next marketing deep dive, all you have to do is go to amschool.click slash masterclass. There you'll be able to find our schedule with our upcoming masterclass for you to join. On with today's show. Am I adjusting myself the right way? Hello team. Am I adjusting myself the right way? I want you to guess what I was talking about there. You can fill the gaps with whatever you think we were discussing. But actually I was here with Emma and I was asking how she was doing and you were talking about lots of uh, boat shows which are good for your niche. And I was just talking about the autumn kind of industry event season. I think as a marketer, you learn how to appreciate or kind of realize the the demand that it has. Obviously it has got a lot of return. You can tell us a bit more about on your side, but I find that as marketers, if you do have your own business or if you run your own consultancy or if you want to go out even on behalf of your company, Autumn can get really, really busy with lots of industry events for all different niches. A hundred percent. And in past years, Autumn feels like it has got shorter and shorter. And as you very rightly said, we haven't even had one this year because it was like 28 degrees in September. So we have just bypassed all of Autumn and gone straight into winter. So seasonality is a big thing. Uh, for my clients, so the the shortening of autumn or just the progression of winter, because basically the UK is eighty five percent winter with a sprinkling of a few nice days. <laughs> that's actually that's actually a great way to explain it, and it's kind of interesting because I was so we did a, a workshop today, which I want to shout out because you can actually watch it on our YouTube channel this time. So we put it out in the open for everybody because it was super interesting, all about holiday season and kind of holiday marketing, because we talked about it a few times over the past month or so. And I was talking before we went on air with shout out Peak and Poke. They've been our partners for the workshop. I was asking her, Carrie, from the company, so what what shows do you go to? Which ones are the ones that you bookmark? And I was just realizing how many are there, especially, and this can be a bit niche, but it might be helpful for some of us out there. Actually, having a look, especially less at the festivals, which are great, like, you know, the kind of networking, they're amazing. But especially in the UK, and I'm sure you can apply to a lot of other countries, there are all these weirdly advertised, because they are kind of weirdly advertised sometimes, very much specific industry events that once you get into your radar, 
it can be worth going to. Like you were talking about some of your shows. I was, I just want to give an example. I met actually the team at Peak and Pork at Technology for Marketing, which is one of those big trade shows at Excel where I went and I was like bracing myself to, to look at companies and what they do and tools and solutions. And I just kind of came across it because somebody tagged me on something because I was on a list. Otherwise I wouldn't have known. And it just made me realize if you start looking, there are so many more events, but I think they're poorly marketed, ironically. And so it's hard for you to find until somebody tells you, I don't know how you, how you choose yours, because obviously we're looking at the naval industry. I think it's so specific. It's so niche. Do you try to go to as many as possible? Or you also try to kind of discern which ones you should be present at? Because it is a lot of energy, these, these events. It is. And it is massively time consuming. And while I... I do suffer from like event FOMO. If there is a new one or one I haven't heard about, I feel like I, I should have been there. So I do, I have four or five that happen every year that I make sure I go to. Maybe not the entire duration. I will do a day or two days if it's a really long show, but I make sure I, I'm there because as a sole trader, a single business owner, I have to keep showing up. And if people say, oh yeah, I saw Emma, it just all helps the brand awareness, doesn't it? So uh, events are, are a big deal for me, but I kind of hugely rely on my friends and my colleagues in the industry to help tell me when there's a new one or tag tag me in something because there are so, so many events, whether they're for my niche or just for marketing or social media, and we can't go to them all. My favorite saying in life is you don't know what you don't know. So how am I going to find these events? So we do need to be more vocal. And if we've been to an event or part of an event, we need to just shout a bit more about it so that more people can come. I agree. And I love that perspective about it as well, to be like, if there's actually a good event, it's important that we share, like that we've been at it and what we've learned from it. Like I did one for the one, the main one that I went to this year, which is obviously the technology for marketing one. And I was explaining how, what it taught me as well was the Excel. If you've never been to London, Excel is huge. So much so that I couldn't find the right, because there's about 17 shows at any given time. And I was like, number, number nine, I was like, no, it's all the way back. So there I am trotting about and I got in and even despite my best kind of, you know, like game prep, I still found I was really overwhelmed at first. I was like, should I talk to as many people as possible? And actually for the first time ever, because we're still relatively new in the industry as a marketing school, obviously my background, what is health and wellness? So if I went to one of those events, I wouldn't know a lot of people. In this case, it was different. But so I went for quantity, sorry, quality over quantity this time. And I realized that it's so much better. And I think instinctively we find that there are so many people, so many companies, you kind of want to talk to everybody. But I started to go off with the two things, vibes first. And sometimes it meant just having a polite conversation and being like, the vibe is not going to go anywhere. So it's been nice, but I'm going to move on. Or even just obviously, sometimes at a glance, you just know whether you're just trying to just go to talk to somebody to take a box. And so I had 13 conversations and all of them resulted into at least a follow-up conversation about something that we could do together. So I think that was a big thing for me is like, again, talking about them to learn what is going on there, then going to the places and also being very mindful about what you're going to get out of it, especially if you are speaking sometimes. I know that you do that too at some of these events. It's a different kind of energy that is required of you. But I think it's going to be, despite the seasons being a bit crazy in the UK, I think it's going to be a longer event season in that perspective I think I don't know if you've seen it because you've been going to more than me but I think 
the, especially for the marketing space and all this networking and trade shows and stuff. I think things have kicked off more between the beginning of summer and now than they have, for example, at the end of last year, you would have expected things to pick up faster. But I genuinely have seen, even in spring, there were things happening, but I haven't seen such a big resurgence as I've seen in the last couple of months. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what is going to come out and what are some of the big appointments for the end of the year. So it's a good reminder to check it out, right? Yeah, for sure. There's new events popping up all the time. And I agree, like my calendar potentially could be even busier between September and December than it normally would be. I mean, there's already two new events that have started this year that I wouldn't have gone to that weren't available last year. Like I'm a big fan of Social Day. I think that is an amazing event that happens in June. And they've now added Social Day B2B, which is now in November. So that's a brand new event um, and I absolutely want to go. So I will go and check it out. But again, I think for a lot of people, it's now what's the ROI on going to an event? Because if I have to pay for a train ticket into London, do I go for a whole day? Do I stay overnight? So that's accommodation. And then the ticket of the event, You need, I need to know if I'm going to have 13 conversations or am I going to get leads from those? Because sometimes it's just nice to see friends and that's really lovely, but we can't all spend hundreds of pounds to see friends every week, you have to get something out of it, right? So I, I'm now at that kind of route. I work out where it is, what it's going to cost, what does it look like that I'm going to get out of it? Because I, I could go to an event every week, minimum one a week, but that's not feasible. So I have to work it out now. There's a spreadsheet. <laughs> I was going to ask you, is there something that you go back to? My girl's got a spreadsheet. Of course she does. Uh, how could I even imagine not to be the case? But that, that's, you know, that's how I feel as well. And I think one more thing that I wanted to read here for anybody else as well, because I think it's really important is there is, and this is from my personal experience. So if you have had other, any other experience, first of all, good for you, because it's better than what I'm going to say, because what I'm going to say is that I found that the best connections that lead into clients or actual opportunities and conversations come from online introductions from other people or talking to people because getting to that first conversation is goddamn hard when you're trying to do it online. And the reason why I said, if you did otherwise, kudos to you is because this way it's a lot more time consuming and it means actually going and talk to people in real life. If you do great, we call emails and call outreach. Good for you. I, you know, it's just, for us, we tried it and I'm going to be very transparent. It doesn't work, especially because we're something new and we're something different. And our vibe is 90% of what it is that kind of brings that out. And so it is important, as you say, that we actually are mindful about where we're going because there can be a good return on investment, but it is also volatile in the way that some of these conversations can still lead to nowhere. I think it's good though, as marketers to almost reacquaint ourselves a bit like anybody in general as humans to actually do this kind of networking and having these conversations. So it's finding that fine line between being organized as we are and having spreadsheets and all the things to check what's going on. And then also maybe push yourself out of your comfort zone if you are somebody who really doesn't have it as a practice. Maybe start small, I guess a trade show Excel or the likes might be a bit too much for some of us. But I think it's a good practice to get there and then we kind of Goldilocks of not going to all of them and literally not having like our expenses for travel is about a million. <laughs> And finding that balance too. So it's kind of funny that we're talking about this because then we're going to jump straight into talking about uh, the online world again. But since the online world has given me more grievance and confusion than anything else recently, so much so the last week, it's kind of funny, we talked about it last week, but I want to hear your opinion. So with Becca, we talked about 
she broke the news about Bat Navarra saying goodbye to X. And then as soon as you were like, what, you know, what, what we've been talking about this week. And I was like to Emma, did you see the Bat Navarra left X? And you were like, oh yeah. So yeah, I want to ask your opinion because last week I shared mine and Becca shared hers. What do you think? It, it kicked off a big conversation last week. <laughs> Yeah, and I caught the bits that you've already shared on social. I'm a, I'm a big fan. And I literally watched it twice because I watched it and was like, oh, my God. That's <laughs> what so I watched it again. And then I went and did, you know, the research. I went and looked for Matt. I'm a big fan. I am a subscriber of his Geek Out newsletter. I, a huge fan of Matt. I've met him in person. He's lovely. I'm not surprised, if I'm really honest. I, I kind of thought he'd be one of the ones that would stay to the very end. He has built a phenomenal platform, has always been a huge advocate of Twitter. It's how he started, pretty much how he's gained a lot of all of his amazing things that he's done on TV and speaking and things. So for him to say, that's it, I'm tapping out, I'm done. I'm just like, yeah, he is the final nail. If he's gone, that's it. Like, I'm done. I mean, I've been saying for months that I'm done and I keep dipping in. But if he's gone, there's pretty much no reason sadly for me to be there i mean for my clients i'm now seeing that and you know you guys have heard me say it a billion times i love a number there's now barely any data that you could get from twitter it's everything is coming away because as we all know everybody every user of x is going to have to is going to be charged so then you'll get all these lovely features but at the moment there is there's nothing to be had there so i kind of want to say i'm shocked but i'm not i, I could see it coming but him actually leaving i think is a really big deal and that's why you're kind of echoing what we talked about and that's why for me it really jumped out you know the fact there you know matt navarro who as you said has been such a corner store of x or twitter Going back to Twitter, see the pieces of news coming from Matt Navarra and, you know, and, and his geek out was a consistent kind of way for you to find what was going on on social media. And is one of those things that we mentioned multiple times on this podcast. As soon as the people that we trust, especially within the industry, to actually make such a big decision to be like, I'm going to leave this platform because for plenty of reasons, it doesn't serve me anymore. And then, and then saying, come and join me on threads. That was a burn. That was like a moment like burn, like mic drop and then fly away. And I think it's really interesting. And I think it's going to be maybe more gradual in some respect, but what I'll tell you, Emma, and we have some news about threads as well today, but what I tell you is that I've also seen a few more people that are huge on Twitter, like creators, like Jay Klaus, who I love, also then starting to be more active on threads again, you know? And so there's part of me that feels some people are still kind of clutching at, at X as a platform to be in for the time being, but they're already starting to think about, I do like the formats because that's the big thing. You know, if you like the format of the content that is shared, but it's the platform that you don't agree with, it's interesting because I think Threads is going to have a second resurgence. And I was talking to Becca and it was almost too early last week to talk about it, but with what's been happening this week, some of the things they've been releasing, I see it as a possibility, but it might be more of a slower burn but it might be a place where people are going to go. I don't know if everybody is going to necessarily just jump on LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn still can feel, from a content creation perspective, more work. Am I making any sense? What are your thoughts? Because that's what I was thinking about with the what's going to happen next, you know? Yes, and I see LinkedIn as a second sector in a chain. So when you have a thought 
that is where a lot of people put it on Twitter or X or now threads. I'm thinking of starting this project. Oh my God, guys, bear with me. That you blurt out a sentence. That is the whole point of Twitter in the beginning and now X. And that is what I'm seeing people are doing on threads. And then it, the whole point of threads, it unravels and they have a conversation. I think once you've formulated that, you go to the second tier down and that I believe is where LinkedIn sits. So for the, I've done this thing, I've made it, now go and look at it and it's here. And then you use Instagram and Facebook and TikTok for the look at my shiny thing. So I don't think everyone will leave Twitter X, sorry, and go to LinkedIn. I think people who are already using LinkedIn are using it more. I am already seeing that. But my notifications in a week for threads have gone off the chart, like so many more people, X, Y, Z has joined threads, joined threads, joined threads, following you, joined threads, have made a thread. So yeah, it isn't the same. And there's still so much work to be done with threads, but it's encouraging that more things are coming. And I think they will see a resurgence for sure. Well, we've got the trending topics. Thank you for leading us into the, some of the bits that are happening. We've got trending topics. We've seen also lots of sneak peeks of that as well at our recording. And then we also have, which you mentioned, which we want to hear your thoughts about, because I was excited, the voice piece, which part of me is excited, but also I don't know if I will go to either X or Thread for voice as much, but it's fair because I think it kind of helps people express themselves in a way that is easier for them. So I like that for my personal preference is not where I would go. But even more importantly, God damn it, thank goodness, you can now edit, which God damn it, thank goodness. For me, the fact that you gatekeep editing was beyond me because typos and some people like myself, I'm a linguist. I don't want to have a typo. I'm sorry. It just doesn't sit well with me. Even if you don't edit it because of other reasons, even if it's just for a case of typos, I felt gatekeeping that felt a bit, I don't know. It said to me, it was like, oh, God damn it. So you then had to delete the, 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 the tweet or whatever you want to call it now, the X, X, <laughs> and things like that. So it's interesting to see these new, these new features. Which ones are you excited? Which ones are you lukewarm about? Trending topics, voice, editing? Um, I'm a huge fan of the editing feature in WhatsApp. I despise typos and grammar and I, I know I know it's a text, I know it's that and it shouldn't matter, but to me it matters. So I use that a lot. Now, once I I do use threads, but not very much, not consistently, and that's terrible for a social media manager, but I think if I was to use it a lot. Uh, I would absolutely be using the editing feature and just to be able to have it there, I think is brilliant. However, I don't thread very much, but I think the voice note feature is phenomenal because not only can you leave a voice, enter a voice thread, but it transcribes it for you. So if people don't want to hear your voice, it actually appears as all the text not only is this another lovely way to post to people, it's making it really accessible. So people can actually, with sight impairments or whatever, can actually hear uh, that. So I think that's quite lovely. It's not going to be for everybody. I personally don't do WhatsApp voice notes because I despise them. Um, if someone wants to talk to me, pick up the phone, please. Just pick it up. Just call me. But I think it's a nice feature for threads for sure. Yeah, and I, and I love the fact that you can see how they're thinking about how to make it more user-friendly because they want more people there, which this sounds obvious, but that one, I just want to kind of point out the paradox. 
Then you go to platforms like X and right now, because they're in this plenty of behind the scenes reason, what it looks like from our side is a rush of monetization. They're taking out all the things that actually are quite essential for us to be able to enjoy the platform and continuously show up on the platform and put it behind a paywall. So it's kind of interesting to see these literally two different behaviors and how they are reflecting on, you know, the user experience. Whether we like it or not, both of them are businesses. They're doing what is in their best interest. But you also need to remember that you got to do what's the best interest of your users as well. Otherwise, you're going to lose them because it is at the end of the day a social media platform, which means it is about people being able to be social. And so if you're taking out all of that, what the hell is left? That's that's where I rest my case. Again, law and order stuff. <laughs> boom, boom. Talking about meta, but slightly shifting away from threads and into the platform that is reminding us the people are on threads. What else did you spotted on the metaverse, also known though as Instagrams? What has been released, which is very exciting? I am mega, mega excited for this one. Actually, a tiny little squeal came out when it appeared because I am an Android phone user. Yes, I am one of the only ones. I'm like a Victorian lady and I have it and I know other people don't have it. So I'm very excited, but it is being rolled out to absolutely everybody and it is free. <laughs> it is the new Create stickers. Now I'm a big fan of stickers and gifts in my stories, but now to be able to create my own is super exciting. So it's really, really easy. You, um, a little pair of scissors appears in your sticker tab. You select an image from your gallery and via AI and amazing systems with Meta, it cuts around your thing, uh, a person, a dog, a logo, a tree, a drink, it, literally anything. And then you move it around the screen and put it in your stories. And then it gets saved within your stickers tab and you can use it at any time. I love it so much and I will be using it heavily. Same here. And I will tell you my user, and I want to hear maybe one of your case studies for that. My, the way that we're going to use it is branded stories. I like the idea of having branded stories, especially for this cool more than myself. But I love Canva and I use it a lot. But the idea of getting back into Canva every 15 seconds to re-download a vertical square, like a vertical graphic, it really gets to me because actually I don't need it to be heavily branded, but we use the black or the dark, it's not black, but the, the dark background. And then what I, what I did before, I manually added just a couple of quote-unquote non-sticker stickers, PNGs inside just to make it ours. But it takes time. And the idea of having a couple of elements, even if it's, maybe it can even be text, you know, it can be, it can be again, other elements and graphics, that can make it so much easier for people to brand their stories without having to constantly create new content, without having to save content and sparing our poor, poor download folders and photo folders. So that's how I would be using it. And that's what I'm really excited about because I think branding is really nice, especially if you're relying on it on stories, people recognize it straight away when they're scrolling through, but it can also take a lot of time. So that's that's my first at least point of call for using it. And then God knows how many other things I'm going to try. What about yourself? Yeah, I, well, for my clients, I think I've told them all about it. I've already started it with, with one of my client accounts because, again, on my phone, I, I have this and, and some of them don't. So I think just for logos or brand assets or just a really subtle, lovely way to time save and make 
it's very clever of Instagram. It's come right at the right time. They want to keep people in the app, editing their stories in the app, so not diving out to Canva or bringing something already edited in. It's very clever. Just to add a very nice, consistent brand element to some stories, not necessarily all. For my clients, it's brilliant. And for me, you know, like with my little tea and tips logo or just little really nice brand creatives, like just little things like my little teacup or my tea bag, just to have on there just another way to remain really consistent so that people can see very easily what I'm talking about and what it relates to. I think in that way, I'm, I'm going to use it heavily. I think for events, it will be amazing. I, I can't see a reason why people wouldn't want to use this. It's kind of really interesting as well, because I find that this kind of week and a half, thinking about we already talked about this being a little and big things that are helping us making our life easier when it comes to our workflows from obviously editing threads all the way to the stickers. And another thing that happened last week, which I kind of looked at and at first I almost kind of was like, hey, yeah, and then I was like, no, wait a second. TikTok is doing something really cool. It didn't feel as big at first because I think a lot of the content that I also create is nat natively through TikTok, but it's actually bigger than we think as a marketer, especially if you are mainly a social media manager, which is TikTok eventually act added more direct publishing options to their API. And if you use the main platforms, most of the main platforms already had that. So like the big scheduling or even the native, obviously, element. But the fact that now you can use things like Twitch, Social Pilot, CapCut, go uh, revamp with that, and even the Adobe Suite. These are just some of the examples. I know it sounds really small, but I think a lot of us have preferences when it comes to how we schedule our TikToks and our TikTok content. And so even if it's a small change, I think it's made a big impact when it comes to the workflow. When it comes to TikTok, I feel TikTok was still one of the platforms that made it a bit more laborious for you to schedule if you wanted to than others. So that's a very welcomed little change. And I don't know if it has affected you. It hasn't affected us because we use already stuff that was directly publishing, but did it affect you or is it going to affect you in any way or you, you have a different kind of workflow for your TikTok? Yeah, no, only in a good way. It's going to affect me because all of my TikToks for myself or for any of my clients are all done organically. Like in the moment, I just sit and do them there and then because there wasn't any other option. And I tend to that's creatively how I, how I work best for TikTok. I just do it there and then straight away. Being able to schedule from desktop is really lovely. I do that for some of my clients straight from within TikTok, but CapCut is a, is a real game changer for me. That's going to save me a lot of time to be able to edit, create, use templates, and then use that scheduling feature within there. That's, that's a big one. That's going to save me a lot of time. Especially because you hook up with templates, which some people rely heavily on on CapCut slash TikTok. I, we do half and half. Sometimes it's just fun. I think is one of those things like it can be a strategy in itself. I find it can be a bit overdone. But if there's the right one, I think is really nice. It's kind of finding that balance. And as you say, it's just I always say when it comes to systems, which as we know, I'm a big uh, proponent of. Every single time you take an extra step, especially that is outside of the journey of the workflow, you actually adding more time without realizing. It feels like it's the same because it's still maybe the same step. But if you're going out from the place to go somewhere else and then somewhere else again, these steps actually become a lot longer. So small but big impact I think is going to have. And the final thing, I mean, it's been a bit hush-hush. TikTok is still hush-hushing, but it's given us some nuggets about potentially a partnership with another lead search engine, the lead search engine, which is Google. This is just reportedly been mentioned a few times, but we've seen it. 
a partnership between TikTok and Google when it comes to driving search traffic. This is exciting because this really plays to the strengths of TikTok. So I'm excited to see how this evolves. I know that you're a big proprietor for TikTok, especially when it comes to this kind of stuff. So I'm excited to hear what jumps out at you at this idea. I actually saw this a few weeks back leaked by Matt Navarro in his newsletter and, and I read this extensively. I think this, while a lot some people are skeptical about it, I think it's an excellent idea. I think it would work extremely well. And it's, I, I can, I'm a very positive person, always trying to find positive and everything. And I think it will benefit a lot of people. For creators, we're already talking about trying to get as many keywords as possible into the video, into the captions, into the hashtags. And so the more that we do that, we're going to be searched for more in the app anyway. And if that then is doubled down by a partnership with Google, it's only going to help brands and creators trying to drive their thing. And personally, I did a huge piece on this recently talking about how TikTok is becoming its own search engine. People are going to TikTok for help to, they will search how to make a lasagna, how to uh, plant a rosebush, how to change the light. People are actually using TikTok now to search for stuff, how to do things, how to make things, how to, where to go to find a set of curtains. Do you know what I mean? So Again, a partnership with Google is just going to add even more value and it's going to keep people there. It's going to keep people searching and people using it more. I know, I mean, I'm using it more since moving house. I use TikTok more. I'm on there finding a video for everything. Should probably be using YouTube, but I don't. I tend to just go to TikTok. I don't know why. There's something to be said about, obviously, the main intent of the snackability of the content and I still find that there is a place for YouTube's longer tutorials and it's something that can definitely be kind of accounted for when it comes to it. Even if it's five or 10 minutes, it doesn't have to be an hour, but if it's a walkthrough and you want to do it like a bit more in depth, I think there is a place for that. Obviously, if you know that what you're looking for is some guidance on a very specific thing and you see a 25 minute YouTube video for that thing, case in point, actually talking about real life examples, we wanted to look at when we should report our poor bonsai tree little bonsai tree. I'm just thinking about it. It's like justice for bonsai trees. It's looking a bit pale, but it's all right. And so we went to YouTube first. Again, I'm still a bit of a YouTube first mentality. Actually, because we went to Google and Google showed us YouTube for obvious reasons. That's why. So again, if Google shows you TikTok, then probably where I would go. Again, user intent, making it easy as possible. So I saw this one, I clicked on it and it was this guy, bless his heart. And instead of telling me when I should report my bonsai tree, he spent the first 15 minutes talking about everything else but that. And because the chat, there were no chapters, I believe, and also sometimes chapters are automatic, which are not super accurate. The point where I was talking about that goddamn thing it took me hours almost to find it. I almost give up. And like, I just want to know if I need to report it or not. Tell me, please. But obviously, you know, a lot of this information is inside an existing video sometimes. Sometimes you don't even know until you realize this is actually the main point that people probably would want to know about. This is literally all they need. And so I find that that's one of the problems with, with YouTube is just that. And so TikTok obviates that. And that's for me is like, it's interesting that Google went, okay, I could fight you because we have YouTube that we're trying to drive people to and we have shorts, or I could embrace you. You know what? Maybe I should embrace you, which is great because my final point and also question to you and my thought was, 
actually when I think about brand awareness, and this is again my personal experience and also clients and students that I've been talking to, I find that from a discoverability point of view, right now as we're standing, TikTok hands down is a lot more powerful than Instagram. Instagram has still got its place and a lot of people talk about growth on Instagram, but I've also seen a lot of conversation changing and switching towards, which is important, uh, nurturing your people, which I, I love. And I understand why that's also happening because I think the algorithm changes all the time and the algorithm is more about the experience, is more about the experience that you have rather than pushing you to discover new people. And that's okay. But I think personally, that's how I see the algorithm working on Instagram for a very long time, especially right now. Whereas TikTok is still thankfully giving you avenues and ways for you to discover new people to answer the questions that you have. Is it just me? It could be that it's my personal experience as the people that I am following and that I'm connecting with, but I'm finding that there's this massive difference that we still don't realize about the different potentials and the way that actually these platforms are pushing our content, you know? Yeah, no, you're absolutely not alone. I am seeing personally in my own personal time, I am spending more time on TikTok because I am just being served. It feels like I'm being served the stuff I really want to see. I, I go there normally for because I want to find something or I'm checking on my own videos. <laughs> what a loser. <laughs> but I'm just being served the right stuff. I, I am there more just because I'm finding it more enjoyable where unfortunately I spend a lot of time in Instagram, but that's posting and engaging and I, but not socially because I'm just finding that this kind of stuff that is appearing in my feed, like suggested stuff is not, it's kind of drowning out the people that I'm following and is not really correctly showing me anybody new of any relevance. And that's that's what I'm struggling with. And, and that's a hard go because if it's happening to me, it's happening to a lot of people. So people are not finding me. They're not finding my clients. So Instagram is tough right now, I think. It's no tougher than anywhere else. It's just TikTok is standing out more for me right now. That's really interesting. And I, if anything... I think it allows us to actually think about where we and you, dear listener, want to show up consistently in the next, thinking about when this comes out, month and a half at this point, because then you know that December goes really fast because it's actually half of a month for most of us. And I think it's a good reminder of thinking about where do we want to show up and almost I would challenge maybe some of us listening to think whether we want to still show up on all the platforms that we currently have looking at us, staring at us, including threads, and whether it is a time for us to maybe ask ourselves, should I actually fade away or slowly trickle down one or two platforms that are not relevant to me? And or is it worthwhile for me to be showing up everywhere? Again, I personally am still fighting with me actually kind of quietly disappearing from X. I am kind of halfway 45%, sorry, 95% there, but I still kind of, as you said, yourself pop up every so often, but I'm not putting any effort into it. And I think it can be hard when you have built quite a strong community in a place. So part of me is also thinking our ego sometimes stops us maybe to say, maybe this is not a channel worth for me. If I put all that time into this channel instead, and this other channel, and I have two really strong places instead of 16, that might be better for me. So I don't know, I think maybe a, not purging because it's a strong word, but maybe a reflection piece and auditing before the end of the year can be, can be good. What would you say to somebody that heard this and is literally like, Fab, don't say this, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. What would you say to either help them do it or just help them figure out whether they should be doing it? 
I think what we've discussed today ha- is opening up lots of really great conversations and people and they're like, do do I leave? Do I stay till the end and then come to that decision of pay, don't pay? Do I leave and go somewhere else? Or do I just leave and drop a channel and focus on the others where I am present? I think it's opened a really lovely conversation. My My advice to people would be look at your data. And your data from Twitter, from X, and I'm going to tell you right now what your data looks like because it will be zero to nothing because he's not offering any of us any, hardly any data. He'll tell you how many times you've tweeted and a vague estimate of impressions, but you now unfortunately have barely anything to go on. And if you're not getting data from something, why are you there? If you're there just to show pictures of your breakfast and that you're on the train, that's totally cool and you're not worried about data, then go to threads, leave, don't pay for it, leave and go to threads and do the same thing there. But if you're really looking to achieve a marketing objective to sell a thing, to raise awareness for a thing, to promote somebody, um, just assess your data. And if you can, I think for a lot of people, the loss of Twitter actually won't be such a big thing. Some will go to another channel like Threads, but I think many are going to take stock in what they're already doing and just put more time and effort into that. So I think it's really about what does your data tell you? What is it that you want to achieve? And then make your life easier for yourself. If you drop a channel, that's okay. It means you have more time for something else. And with this, the mic has been thrown out with like shouts and I can see at the back people are just going out for a standing ovation the data queen is back yes Uh, I'm not gonna add anything else to that Uh, you take what Emma said and think about it thank you so much as always as you see I got excited too it's always a pleasure to see you here and I generally believe we have at least one more chat before the end of the year so I'm excited to see what happens in another month's time I think every single time there's like a a massive bombshell moment to talk about anyway if people want to find out more and chat with you more between now and then remind them where they should go they should find me uh, live on Instagram. Yes, I am still showing up there live on Instagram every Friday at 12 o'clock UK time. I drink a whole load of tea and I talk about social media and I get extremely animated. So join me, get in the comments and tell me what you think. Join Emma for tea and tips. And also, if you haven't learned enough today, you're like, I want to learn more. It's a Friday after all. Go to our YouTube. I'll make sure that is also in the show notes today. And check out uh, the workshop that we did all about games for your marketing and games for holidays. There's a couple of really cool case studies that Carly shares too. So go and check it out. And until next time, it's been a pleasure. Class dismissed. 